KBTC, a viewer-supported community service of Bates Technical College. From KBTC Public Television Studios in Tacoma, Washington, it's the Northwest Now podcast. Each week we take a closer look at the people and issues that affect all of us here in Western Washington. So sit back, relax, and join the conversation with your host, Tom Lason. Tacoma is still reeling from the shooting death of a 14-year-old girl on the hilltop, but it's just the tip of the iceberg as neighbors fear a repeat of the bad old days of the 80s and 90s when Tacoma wasn't the city of destiny, but a place to stay the heck away from. Tacoma has worked so hard for so long to become the Puget Sound region's place to be, but as Seattle has learned, decades of progress can be destroyed in a few short years with the road back long and hard. Into this environment steps Tacoma's new police chief, Avery Moore, and he's our guest next on Northwest Now. Murder, robbery, arson, kidnapping, and car thefts are all up sharply both last year and this year. But it's the firearms-related crimes that have really shaken Tacoma to its core. Now, to be fair, Tacoma is just part of a national trend. But in Washington state, with police complaining about reform efforts gone too far and the virtual elimination of anti-drug laws, the challenges here are unique in an era when tensions are running high among families and in the neighborhoods. And let's talk some truth here. Predators sense a power vacuum as police officers flee to lower stress departments, into retirement, or just pitch their law enforcement careers altogether. With that said, the Prison Policy Initiative reports that New Tacoma, which includes the Hilltop, has an incarceration rate four times the city rate, which is seven times higher than the statewide average. So, zip codes matter when it comes to enforcement, with no comment here about whether it's justified. Trying to manage all of that is Tacoma's new police chief, Avery Moore. Chief Moore, thanks for coming to Northwest Now. Great to have you here. I, I know you're the new guy, so I want folks to get to understand who you are a little bit. Give us a little bio. Where are you from? And uh, talk a little bit about your last job and, and some of your experience. So where I'm from is really kind of interesting. Uh, military kid. So kind of say I'm kind of from all over. Um, I used to claim Oklahoma simply because my father retired there. Um, and that's where I pretty much lived my teenage years um, and also where I went to college. Um, transitioned from Oklahoma to Dallas, um, was able to get hired by the Dallas Police Department, and I spent 31 years uh, plus as a Dallas police officer, worked my way up from police officer all the way up to uh, assistant police chief. Mm -hmm. So I had a great career, career um, exposed to a lot of different things coming from a large city. Um, Dallas is the seventh largest city with the ninth largest police department. So I had a lot of opportunity um, in Dallas from violent crime. Um, I actually was over Lovefield Airport um, that falls under us. So have a really good, strong policing background. Um, and so I just claim Dallas to make it simple. 31 years. I have a question about your experience in Dallas that, that may or may not be relevant here. Did Dallas go through a transition where there were like some bad times, then some good times, and then not so good times came back? Was there an ebb and a flow in Dallas over those 31 years between the 80s and 90s and maybe the, the crack cocaine thing and now to present day? Have you seen some of that ebbing and flowing in the past? Yeah, ebbing and flowing is probably 
um, consistent with every major city. Dallas um, is no stranger to that. You know, um, with those ebbs and flows, that's kind of how police morale works. Mm -hmm. um, so went through a lot of those. You know, my mantra, um, and, I, and I learned this from my father, he was a 27 year Army veteran. You make yourself happy. Um, don't rely on a job or other people to make you happy. Make yourself happy. So although those, we went through those ebbs and flows, um, I don't remember having a bad attitude at all. I don't remember being bitter. Um, and I remember the biggest thing that we went through um, was our pension debacle. Um, and it caused a lot of people to retire early, just in fear. Um, but even through that, you know, um, I just kept going to work, doing the best I could do, um, and had a good time doing it. So that's my philosophy. Um, you make yourself happy. What do you love about policing? Do you miss being on the street a little bit? So I do um, because I love people. That, that's the, the, in my opinion, probably the most overlooked component, that people that sign up to do this job really have to love people. Um, and if you don't, again, my opinion, you should probably really question if this is the right line of work for you. Um, loving people is what this is all about. And that's a, and that's a great entryway into a discussion about culture, <sighs> the, the people piece, because there's also this very tight, thin blue line piece, us against them piece, um, uh, you know, warrior culture almost that's, that's coming to policing. Has, has that gone too far? Do you see that as a problem or not so much? Is that something people on the outside perceive? What's your take on that kind of thin blue line us against them culture. So you used a, a very good word, it's perception. Um, the thin blue line, the us against them has been completely exaggerated, hyperbolized, um, and kind of accepted as norm. So let me tell you this, as a police officer going on my 32nd year, and I'm gonna speak for all police officers, what we hate worst is a crooked officer. So there is no thin blue line when it comes to that. Um, our expectation is that you do this job the right way and you do it for the right reasons. Um, and that's the way it should be. So from that perspective, it's been over-exaggerated as if officers are okay with corruption in mm -hmm. their police department. And bad behavior. And bad behavior, because yeah. we're not. Um, especially me. Um, mm -hmm. I'll hold my officers accountable. They know that because I tell them. Um, so I, I think that us against them, um, I know it was kind of born out of because um, it was presented that way. Um, but the reality is we have to change that mindset and it has to be us together. Um, the only way we can uh, impact and actually affect change is if we do it together. Um, you, we will never have enough police officers, and I'm being general, yeah. across the whole country um, to account for every crime. Yeah. We absolutely have to partner um, and rely on each other to make the impact that we want to make. So you've been in Tacoma for a while. You've been talking to people, going to events. You know, everybody says, hey, Chief, here's, here's my take on everything. Mm -hmm. What is your perception of how city leadership and city residents are feeling about crime and law enforcement right now in Tacoma? What's the environment as, as people are telling you? 
As far as crime, well, first let me answer the first kind of part of that. Um, as far as, you know, city manager, um, city council, they have been completely supportive of me um, and the police department. Because that was one of my questions. Are you getting what you need from that? A absolutely. Okay. I'm completely supportive. Um, the communities, as I meet with them, completely supportive of the police department, of me, and they really want, and I'm going to emphasize want, to work with the police department. Um, so we're in a good space. You know, there's some crime that has gone up um, post-COVID, pre-COVID, during COVID. Um, so the residual of that we're dealing with now. Um, but we've had some success the last month um, that we're very proud of and we're going in the right direction. Um, but I can't overemphasize the hard work of the police department. My men and women, they bring it every day. You know, um, and they do that not for a paycheck, but going back to what I said before, they care about this community. Um, they care about the people that not only live here, that work here, that come here to play and just have a good time. Um, so we're going to do our part and we just asked the community to join us. Let's make this city the safest city in the country. Yeah, because that, that's the thing about Tacoma too and a lot of people who are familiar with the city or live here, there's, there's almost kind of a little bit of a grief process to some degree because the bad old days here in the 80s and 90s were so bad. Mm -hmm. And so much progress has been made. I mean, Tacoma, you, if you lived here in the, this is a different town, different place, different infrastructure, different, it's, it's completely different and it's been wonderful. We're kind of like, I, I can, I try not to talk too much about it because we're a little bit the secret here in Puget Sound <laughs> country as far as I'm concerned uh, about what's going on. But then to see this slide back into the bad old days um, is upsetting. Uh, I can say that personally, and I'm sure it's the same for, for the other people you're talking to. How do you try to reassure them, or what are you telling them to say, calm down, I got this? The truth. You know, um, coming from a major city, um, I can tell you that Tacoma is no different than a major city, a smaller city. Um, what we're dealing with is across the country, um, but we're dealing with it. Um, again, we're making some good impacts as it relates to having less victims, which is uh, the matrix that I use. Um, and I'm really pleased with the hard work our officers are doing. Mm -hmm. You know, um, they've bought into our new crime plan. Um, we're executing it very well. Um, so just be patient with us. We didn't get in this position overnight, um, and we won't get out of it overnight. It's yeah. gonna take some time, but know that the police department, we're doing everything that we can to make this city safe. We're gonna talk about your crime plan, but I also wanted to take this opportunity, you, you addressed it um, generally. And, and I know everybody has an opinion on this. This is, this is pure opinion. What is your view of why we're seeing what we're seeing? And like you say, rightly, it's not just Tacoma, it's across the country. It, it can't all be COVID. There has to be things that are kind of acting in concert and acting together to magnify the problem. What is your take on that? So, um, Specific in Washington, um, i.e. Tacoma, some law changes impacted it. Um, and the impact was felt from a policing perspective. Pursuits, drug crimes, those exactly. kinds of things. Okay. Um, so officers felt like their hands were tied mm -hmm. to the point that they couldn't do their job. So a lot of what was going on was just that confusion area. They felt like there was no support from their leadership no support from city leadership, and no support from community. Um, and when you 
feel that way, um, then sometimes you find yourself saying, there's nothing we can do. Um, and unfortunately, we went through that phase um, to where officers felt like there's really nothing we can do. You know, um, the laws are against us, the community's against us. We don't have the support that we need to have from leadership. So that caused us, if you will, to shut down. And you, and even though the time between then and now has been relatively short, you feel like there's been a change in those attitudes, a oh, change absolutely. in community support and, a, and some positive absolutely. movement. Absolutely. You know, um, I, I sent out a, a leadership philosophy my very first day. And um, it's a couple pages, but one thing I say in there that every issue in policing you can trace back to leadership um, and what I meant by that or the lack thereof um, and officers need to feel like their leadership hears them um, and supports them they understand again that if I do something wrong there's going to be accountability um, but when I'm right I need to have a voice that says I was right um, and that's what I do for them you know um, give them credit where credit's due, and we hold them accountable when we need to. Let's talk about your crime plan. You recently rolled that out to the city council after, I'm sure, building it, taking some ideas, putting them together, and coming up with a presentation and a plan. One of the ideas is focused deterrence, which I, if, in your comments, I believe you mentioned you kind of picked that up from Boston. Um, they've, they've worked on that. What is focused deterrence, and how, do, how does that play into your plan? Well, focused deterrence, um, realistically, is probably two to three years down the road. Mm -hmm. um, it's the last phase. Mm -hmm. And to, to keep it basic, what it basically is is that um, we will know who some bad actors are, if you will, um, and we'll do a, a call in. For example, local church, local school gymnasium. And in that school, I'll be there, um, some faith leaders, some family members, um, and some resources. So. Uh, to to kind of add a little comedy to it, you remember the show, Let's Make a Deal? Mm -hmm. It's kind of based off that. So you have door number one um, <laughs> and you have door number two. So I'd come to Avery Moore. The easy way or the hard way, right? Pretty much, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and say, hey, we know that you're doing bad. Mm -hmm. um, things that are gonna, you're going to be held accountable for. So if you go through door number one, any resource that you could need is waiting for you, whether it's a GED, um, teach you how to fill out a resume, if you need some housing assistance, whatever that resource is. Go through that door, it's all good, you're productive in society. But if you say no, and some will, and you go through door two, then on that door is gonna be federal time. Um, and if you know anything about federal time, it's day for day. Um, so there's going to be some partnerships um, that we'll have to go in with our federal partners, state partners. But that's really what focus deterrence is. It's really for us to say, hey, stop doing what you're doing. Um, if you have a root cause, again, lack of education, don't know how to fill out a resume, can't find a job, we have people right here today that will give you a job, that will help you find housing, et cetera. That's the preferred route. Right. And but we understand not everybody will take advantage of right. that. Right. And you're trying to deal with that. I don't know what the numbers are. I've heard several people comment on this over the years, and you were one of them. The, I'm going to make up numbers. But the 10% that caused 90% of the problems, mm -hmm. that's who you're really trying to focus on. Exactly. Um, and that's pretty much consistent throughout the nation. Um, 
from a perception perspective, we think it's everybody committing all the crime, and it's really not. It's mm -hmm. the same people that are repeat offenders that are doing it over and over and over again, um, and this is a way to, to give them a, a wake up, say, hey, this has got to stop. You need help from prosecutors and judges, though, too, don't mm -hmm. you? I'm, I, I am just appalled every time I, you know, this guy who just pushed a lady down the stairs in Seattle. Oh, it turns out he has a, you know, he's got a murder under his belt. And that is a consistent story. That's not an outlier. All these cats have long rap sheets. Mm -hmm. Why? What is, what, is, what is wrong? What is going on? I know the cops don't like it, but this is your chance to talk about it. So we live in a country that's the greatest country in the world, right? Um, and in that comes a lot of freedoms. Um, so sometimes we forget that um, when we see something as tragic as that. The reality is, is that whatever your sentence was, you honored that. So you get out free, and as long as you- Time served, good time, time served, all and, of on that and, stuff. On and on and on. So you get out. Yeah. That's the system that we love, but that we hate, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and until we look at that system and see if there's some areas of the system that we should tweak, change, um, that's going to always be it. That's why I'm talking about known offenders. Um, they continue to do it maybe because they were never actually told, hey, we're here to help. You know, we'll have judges there, hopefully. We'll have some prosecutors. We're all here to deter your behavior. Yeah, and, and that again, door number two is serious. Door number two, you don't want to go down. It's not a game. But yeah. some people will go down yeah. door number two and we'll arrest them um, and they will get whatever they're supposed to get federally. So you take that offender population and you add another layer in on top of it, which is a particular concern here in Tacoma, which is guns. We've got a lot of firearms, a lot of gunplay taking place. What is, what is up with guns? Um, I hear different things from different police organizations. Some are very pro-gun control, some very pro-Second Amendment, depends on where you live, or you're red or you're blue, I get that. But what is your take on, I think everybody can agree, we need to get guns out of bad guys' hands if possible. Is that possible? What, what are your thoughts about the firearms piece of this? Whew. Is it I possible? I ask the easy questions. Yeah, is it possible <laughs> in totality? Man, um, I think it's gonna be difficult. Um, the reason is, is that, you know, the guns that are being used in offenses, um, from our perspective, are the ones that are illegally obtained. Mm -hmm. um, whether it's from a young adult, old adult, or even juveniles. Um, so somehow, that's what we have to have an impact. I think it's great that, from a legislative perspective, they strengthen it. Um, that stops those impulsive violent acts um, that pretty much are domestic violence related or known person to person related. Um, so it will have an impact there. Um, but these ones that are what I consider the violent crimes, aggravated assaults, usually it's a person you don't really know. Um, robberies, you don't know the person. Um, homicide, you don't know the person. Those are guns that are coming by illegal means. Um, and until we can figure out a way to really disrupt that enterprise, it's gonna be difficult to get all the guns off the street that shouldn't be on the street. Um, the people that are responsible, um, shout out to you, thank you, continue to be responsible. Um, and let's really start maybe at a smaller level, keeping guns out of kids' hands. Mm -hmm. I think we'll have an enormous 
impact and then we can go to the next level and then the next level. And a big piece of this too, which is a great way to introduce this part of the conversation, the community piece, is folks keeping an eye on each other mm -hmm. and their kids and knowing what firearms are out there and who's doing what a little bit. There's, over the years been, you know, the community organizations here in Tacoma have really made a difference from safe streets to, uh, uh, we had Project Ceasefire, Tacoma Ceasefire, Project Peace, have all been initiatives that TPD has been involved in over time in conjunction um, the Salishan neighborhood group. Talk a little bit about the importance of um, those connections and those neighborhood groups, even though some of them have been operating for 40 years in this town, you know, they made a big difference in the 80s and the 90s. Can they be instrumental in making a difference again? What do you need from them? Absolutely. Um, safe streets, um, all of them that you named. I have a chief of staff now who's going to reinvigorate all of that. Um, the ones that are doing great continue to do great. The ones that have fallen off a little bit, um, our hope is that we can get them together. Um, and even if it just becomes one big group or if we stay with our individual entities, that's fine. But we need community um, and we need those who are willing to actually be out um, in neighborhoods, pay attention. You know, it's an old adage in policing. You hear something, say something. Mm -hmm. um, we really, really, really want to reemphasize that because it's so important. Because one thing I know about people who break the law, they don't want to get caught. Um, so they don't want to be seen. So if they know that someone who's not afraid is saying, I see you, I'm on the phone with the police right now, that's going to be a good, good deterrent for us. So we're going to reinvigorate. Um, we actually already have, like I said, um, have a chief of staff now. That's his primary function. I say that um, is very so. interesting that you've assigned somebody to own those neighborhood groups because if you if if it's kind of everybody's job and we try to stay in touch and make a phone call but if somebody owns that um, that's so important because it, it provides the energy required to keep those folks engaged they want to be but they have jobs daycare uh, this you know COVID um, you name the car broke down they have other issues but to, for somebody to own that piece I really think is a is it was that your idea or have you seen that work in the past? So um, where I come from, we have um, someone who owns that. Um, so the mindset I learned um, didn't create it. Um, but to bring it here, um, they, they were already kind of working from 21st century policing recommendations on having a chief of staff. Um, I was just able to kind of get the chief of staff to kind of go this direction. Um, instead of the way that was originally planned because um, I felt like community for me is so important that I do need someone and I'll use your word to own that piece because mm -hmm. um, I have so many responsibilities that I can't be the owner um, but our chief of staff extremely experienced with it um, and he knows how to do it so really really pleased thus far and where we're going I'm even more excited about. You talked about some of the elements in your crime plan, focus deterrence, um, focusing on the, the likely offenders and some of those things, All of and, and then wrap that in with 21st century policing. We've seen things come and go. Community-based policing has kind of come and gone, although elements remain. Uh, broken windows comes and goes. But the thing that kind of seems to, to hold true and to continue, and I'm reading between the lines and what you've talked about and your approach, is that at the end of the day, if you kind of fall back on the idea that it needs to be data-driven, let the data tell us what the problems are, where the problems are, who the problems are, it can tell us if we're open to it. Talk a little bit of, 
Talk a little bit about that data-driven piece and the role it plays in your department going forward. Yeah, we're completely data-driven. Um, our entire crime plan is evidence-based um, Offer our data. So our data told us where our hotspots were. They told us the days of the week when they were most prevalent down to the exact times um, that they were most prevalent. Um, and it, it identifies the behavior that we want to impact, which for us is homicides, aggravated assaults, and robberies. Um, that's why our crime plan is really geared toward violent crime. Mm -hmm. But f I'm excited to say this, but we've actually had a very good impact on property crime as well, which was a little unique here, because um, as I was out in communities, a lot of the discussion was about property crime. You know, windows being broken, car prowls, car that prowls, type of thing. Yeah. Um, but the priority always has to be preservation of life, because that's what we take our oath for, to save lives. So we're going in that direction, have an impact, as well as in property crime, have an impact. But our entire um, crime plan is evidence-based, um, and it always will be, always will be. That keeps us out of that bad light of us versus them, um, because we're not targeting people. We're actually focusing on behavior. Mm -hmm. Last 30 seconds, the hardest question I'm gonna ask you. What's something surprising that people don't know about you, Chief Moore, that they should? I start my day off with prayer. Um, I'm an ordained minister, um, and I'm an advocate gym rat, so you'll see me in the gym. Um, and I, I truly, truly, truly love people. Um, they probably have figured that out now. I'm a big hugger. I typically hug everybody. Um, and I tell my officers I love them. It's probably weird. It's probably, I don't think it's uncomfortable because I'm seven months in, um, but probably the first time they heard it, they were probably like, this dude's a little <laughs> weird. <laughs> but uh, I think they've gotten used to it. So those are the biggest things that people may not know. Um, I don't drink, don't smoke, um, that kind of thing. Great discussion. Chief Moore, thanks for coming to Northwest Now. Thank you. Appreciate it. Tacoma has good leadership that is showing signs of pivoting toward an increasing appreciation of the vital participatory role law enforcement plays in making the South Sound an example of what can go right when communities come together. It worked in the 80s and the 90s, and it can work again. The bottom line, our thanks to Chief Moore for coming to Northwest Now with a sincere wish for good luck in turning things around.